When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I'm the one, the cop that's in front of them. It's not that they don't like Tyrone. They don't like what I stand for on the team I'm associated with. And then a lot of people will say, as a black cop, oh, you working for the man. Then you get, we need more cops like you working our neighborhoods. It should be us working our neighborhood. Oh, okay. So why don't you sign up to be a cop? Oh, I don't fuck with you. If you handle some of the things that's in your neighborhood, right, those same cops that you hate don't have to come. If I told you you got cancer right now, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to see what treatment's out there, right? Yeah, and we'll find a, the right doctor. Right? How many cancers we know of in every hood? A lot. 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 Welcome to Wild Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, Wild Black. We are back in the building once again for another dope episode. Um, This is your guy, Art. Uh, Vince is actually feeling under the weather today, so he's not going to join us, but he's with us in spirit. And uh, he did come by to kind of pass some of his germs along to everybody, but <laughs> but he, he's gone now. So uh, we're going to jump into a super dope episode today. Um, it's one that I think is is warranted for a lot of the content that we talk about. We talk about everything, and, and it would be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right if we didn't actually have this particular topic for for the show. So we're going to talk to um, a police officer within the Atlanta PD. Uh, he's actually a detective. Let me get that right. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit about him in a second. Uh, but man, is anyone you want to want to tell the listeners real quick before I jump into your bio? I'm uh, Detective Tyrone Dennis. I work for the city of Atlanta Police Department. I'm a 15-year veteran of Atlanta Police Department. Yeah. I'm a gang detective, criminal investigator. Uh, I investigate. My job is to basically uh, monitor, document, and prosecute gang cases. Mm-hmm. I also serve on a federal task force with the ATF, so I specialize in gangs and guns. That's what's up. See, we're going to do it a little different today. You see how he he just did his bio for us, so we ain't even got to go through it. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I love it. I love it. Well, cool, man. Welcome you to the show. Thank you for coming. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. I know a lot of our listeners 
got a lot they want to want to want to give to you as it relates to questions and thoughts and perspectives cuz I mean in today's society it's just a lot going on especially with police and and shooting and and all that. So before we jump into any of the content we're going to hit you with our wild black shit. Right. First question, in what year did cash money effectively take over? 1999 Lil Wayne burst was nice too, though. Yeah. Okay. Second question. Jordans or Air Force Ones? Jordans. I hate Air Force One. For real? Yeah. Now you from I'm, St. Louis, right? I'm born and raised in St. Louis, west side of St. Louis. Okay. So I'm when Jordans were a, a rare thing when only a few people had, had them. them. Now they sell them at Walmart or almost everybody <laughs> got them. Baby mamas and the whole family got them. <laughs> Come to Atlanta Fair once tax season come, the whole family together. You got, yep, yep. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, third, this is the signature question. What do you love most about life while black? Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I ain't never thought about that. I wouldn't want to be nothing. I don't know. I like being me, so all I know how to do is be a black person. So I love my culture. I love everything. Well, I ain't gonna say everything, but I love a lot <laughs> because I deal with it from different aspects. So I don't even know. I love everything about being black. So I don't really, I don't know how to answer that. My man said, I ain't got no other vantage for it. I, right. I, I, I don't know my how to be nothing right. black. Yeah. I said that before. I, I, I was born black. I'm gonna die black. I'm black. So that's all I know how to be. And uh, what I've discovered is, uh, just like I was telling you, working on this PowerPoint, I did that a lot of the things that is pumped into our culture, I, you you think everybody has seen this or yeah. you seen New Jack City, you seen Colors. No. Be like, what? What <laughs> the is person that? helped me create, well, he had to embed the videos on my PowerPoint. We're looking at Colors, Juice, New Jack City, Minister Society, all mm -hmm. these different hood classics. Yeah, and I'm asking him like, "Have you ever seen this?" He's like, "No, never heard of it." And I'm like, "I want why?" And when you think about some of the media that's pumped into the black community, some of it is brainwashing us because when you think about a movie like Boys in the Hood, it pretty much showed us that all right, somebody shoot my brother, I retaliate like this. Mm -hmm. Minister Society, same thing. Colors. I didn't know what a blood or a crip was. Until I saw that movie. American Me, Blood In, Blood Out, Scarface. How many people else you walk in and you see a Scarface? They don't got a picture of Jesus Christ. They got a picture of Al Pacino and Scarface. Yeah. Then you had an artist calling himself Scarface. And then he pushing money into power. So what are yeah. they teaching us? Then you have two live crews selling sex. Now we got <laughs> city girls. Megan Thee Stallion selling more. They teaching our girls how to be scammers and scam guys and twerk. Right. Like, where, what is they selling? Like, that's all we want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the bar? Right. Yeah. So. Okay. So, I'm going to hit you with this dope quote. Just want to get your thoughts on it. 
Um, and I'm going to read it, and I'll tell you who, uh, who, actually, who actually said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's hard to believe that the people you look to for safety and security are the same people who are causing us so much harm. But I'm not lying, and I'm not delusional. I'm scared, and I'm hurting, and we are dying, and I really, really need you to believe me. Uh, and his name is Leoma Olu. So you want to talk about race. I think it comes from a book. Mm. What do you think about that? I think it's almost talking about police. It sounds like police and police brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like the quote is basically saying the people that you look to for safety or security, which would be law enforcement, and some people's eyes are the ones out here killing or harming. That's what I kind of take that quote to be. Yeah. Now, do you think that's, that's would you consider that something that is a... Accurate? Yeah, is a valid perspective some, from... It depends on which side of the table you sit. Right, right, right. Because from your perspective. From my perspective, uh, one of the things about being a cop 15 years and working in a metropolitan city like Atlanta, uh, coming across my desk, everybody looks like me. It ain't too many white people getting sprayed with bullets, houses getting shot up, just being honest. Usually it's us killing us. And the problem, at, from my standpoint, if our lives, when we say black lives matter, if they truly matter, why they only matter when a cop kill one? We should be protesting all murder, all when anybody lose their life. It's somebody actually truly losing their life. You know what I'm saying? And we don't get that same response. Uh, as a detective, you have to go and tell some people their loved one is dead or you watch somebody die or you watch somebody shot up and you have to go try to interview them. You know what I'm saying? We have to, I have to do that. And speaking from the front line, it's not something I read in a book. It's not something I saw on the news. It's something I deal with every day. And we, I'm not going to say I'm shell-shocked because you learn to cope in your own way through whatever vices you have. But it's, when it comes to some of the topics about police brutality, we're, I'm caught in the middle. I'm black first. I'm a, like I said earlier, I'm a, I was born black, I'm going to die black. But at the same time, I've been a cop for almost a large percentage of my life also. And everything ain't always what it seems. It's no such thing as... Uh, like they say, a thin blue line, we don't snitch. Mm, negative. If you're doing something wrong, I don't want you around me. I don't want you on my department. I want you to go on too, because then you make my job harder. You make all of us look bad with your actions. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You got me? If somebody, Rodney King, somebody in L.A. right now, guess what? I feel that here in Atlanta as well. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. 
Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Because first thing people see now through a click of a phone or social media, they see it too. And then they hold, I'm the one, the cop that's in front of them. It's not that they don't like Tyrone. They don't like what I stand for or the team I'm associated with. And then a lot of people will say, as a black cop, oh, you working for the man. Hmm. Okay. So then you get, we need more cops like you working our neighborhoods. It should be us working our neighborhoods. Oh, okay. So why don't you sign up to be a cop? Oh, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> so it's like, wait yeah. a minute. You're going to down me for being a cop, but you wish you had more cops like me, but then you're not going to sign up to be it or you're not going to let your kids sign up to be it, but then you're going to be mad when the job is filled when they've hired one of our white counterparts. It don't make sense. But at the same time, if you hate the police so much, don't call them police yourself. If you handle some of the things that's in your neighborhood, right, those same cops that you hate don't have to come. If I told you you got cancer right now, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to see what treatment's out there, right? Yeah, we'll find a, the right doctor. Right? How many cancers we know of in every hood? A lot. You, I can go to any neighborhood in America and you, I can... Who got that that gas? (laughs) 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 Who got that work, right? Who the the hit over here? All these different things that in every neighborhood we know they exist, and we ignore it, and we walk past it, slide by it, because it don't affect us in the black community. What we say, mind your business, don't snitch, until it affects you. Then once somebody in your family get hurt, knocked off, robbed, somebody need to do something. We need you to step up and speak up. Wait a minute. If we'd have spoke up a long time ago, we could have got rid of this problem and the rest of us could have lived our life. So check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I wanna go back to go uh how did cause so as you as you kind of play that out, it's interesting, right? As a black man and a police officer and a detective at that today. How did you like? How did you get into law enforcement? Yeah, like how did you even want that to be? This you know, is part happened. of your. This is what happened after growing up on the west side of St. Louis, Missouri, not Ferguson that most people know Missouri for. They think Ferguson is like the worst place. Ferguson is Riverdale to us, like that was our suburb. But growing up, we knew not to. If you rode through Ferguson, you knew you was gonna get pulled over. Like if four black heads in the car you're going to get pulled over. The Department of Justice study basically showed the world what we already knew, that we were targets. Why? Because their budgets were were made off arrest, traffic stops, stuff like that. I grew up in a gang-infested neighborhood. Like, a lot of stuff I knew about gangs I knew long before I became a cop. All right? I played basketball. I was the youngest basketball saved my life. But just because I wasn't involved in it doesn't mean I don't know about it. I had to know about it to maneuver, to stay safe. You know what I'm saying? But my senior year, I got in trouble. I got kicked out for fighting. And when I got in trouble for fighting, I couldn't go to graduation. I couldn't go to prom. Only way I got to go to graduation was drop my appeal to the Board of Education. So I got escorted to my seat, escorted out. You know, when everybody take the head off and throw it up, I had to do that in the hallway. 
And that burnt me inside. Like, I'm me. I'm, I put up numbers. Like, you know who I am? But as an adult and taking self-responsibility for myself and my actions now as I matured, didn't nobody do that to me. I did that to myself. You got me? And by me doing that, I lost D1 scholarships. I ended up having to go to a junior college. And once I went to a junior college, a lady at, my, at the church sat me down and was like, what you majoring in? I don't know nobody that's in college. So, you know, I'm like, uh, uh business. I chose, I'm going to major in business. She said, you know what type of business? Uh-uh. She said, honey, you need to grab your course catalog and figure out what you're going to major in and, for the, and work, what you're going to do for the next 30 or 40 years. I said, hmm, okay. So while I'm on the toilet one time, <laughs> I'm looking through, <laughs> and I see criminal justice. I'm like, well, shit, I know crime. Everybody around me selling dope and shit. Yeah. I know that, right? So that's what I imagined in. When I got to my community college, it was in Mattoon, Illinois, Cornfields. When we got off the road on our visit, we stopped at the Hardee's. That was the only thing open, and all the farmers were there. And they were like, oh, you boys must be here to play basketball. Damn, how y'all know that? Because the only blacks there was basketball player. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, it was 25 of us. And what I learned, it was a bunch of us that had got in trouble somewhere else, and we all came together. And when you we on the line for, lay, like, working out, it's like, dang, we got 25 people. How are we going to do this? Everybody ain't going to be here come semester. Huh? Even though we had four, four days of study hall, everybody came from different inner cities, Chicago, Gary, Indianapolis, St. Louis. Everybody wasn't, had the same academic standards. Yeah. In St. Louis, we had voluntary desegregation where I lived in the city, but I got bused to a suburban school since the sixth grade. So what I didn't even know is I was getting a good education. You know what I'm saying? At my school, I was like regular, but at my school, didn't nobody drop out. You know what I'm saying? My teammates' parents were business people. My One of my, we used to go over his house. His dad was the vice president, ever ready battery, the mom, a million dollar realtor. So we see it. When you see different, you do different. So as I start to see different, I wanted different, even though I got in trouble. So once I got to college, my professor was a former FBI agent. And he was like, hmm, this black kid in my class. <laughs> what reason are you here? <laughs> and every time we had a topic, he always wanted my opinion. And then one day he came to me after class. He's like, what you trying to do with your degree? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But he was like, have you ever thought about being in the FBI? The feds? No. <laughs> he started bringing me different literature about it. And what I learned, I would have to work in my field before. With the degree I was getting, I would have to work for a couple of years. And I was like, guess I'll be a cop. I almost became a conservation officer. They came to visit me at my when yeah. I, I got my associate's degree, and then I got transferred, picked up a second major. I majored in criminal justice, sociology, got my bachelor's, and uh, a conservation officer. Uh, I went to University of North Alabama. They came on career day, and he was like, oh, we're looking to sign up minorities to do conservation work. So I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And one of my classmates was like, D. No. He said, do you realize you're going to be in rural Alabama <laughs> telling some redneck white dude that he shot too many deer in the woods with a shotgun by yeah. himself. I'm like, yeah, yeah that I might not think be the look. Work. Right. Yeah. So after I graduated, um, right before I used to read the paper every day looking for jobs. 
and I had the opportunity to go play ball in South America. But before I left, I saw something in St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Atlanta Police Department hiring event. So mm-hmm. I'm like, what are the Atlanta police doing here? So I had my car. I didn't even have a car at the time. I had my cousin's car. I had to pick her up. I had on some shorts and flip-flops. Went in there, filled out the quick questionnaire, and she was like, so you got two degrees. I'm like, yeah, double major. <laughs> she was like, so you never been arrested? No, never smoked weed. No, I played sports. When could you be in Atlanta? Well, there's one catch. I'm about to go to South America to play ball. She gave me a packet. She said, fill this out, send this back, and whenever you decide you're done playing ball, it's a job waiting on you. So I played ball for two years, and then after nickel and dime and through minor league leagues, getting the runarounds, my mom hit me like, son, unfortunately, I know you love that basketball. You're going to have to yeah. get a job. And mm-hmm. so I called my recruiter, and they activated my thing. And what I was doing, whenever I had a trial or something, I would schedule it in Atlanta. And I would be taking my written test, taking my PT test and stuff like that. And then uh, September 7, 2004, I became an Atlanta police officer. That's what's up. Okay. So it was, I mean, that that's an amazing story in in the sense that it wasn't like something that you just knew that you wanted to do. Like you yeah. kind of you kind of got influenced into it and was like, oh man, this this could be dope. This could be something I could, Trust I could really me, I do. I talked to some kids today and I told them, if you'd have asked me 20 years ago if I was going to be a cop, I would have said, yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you never know how God going to guide your steps. You know what I'm saying? When you, in life, it's like a choose your own adventure book. In your mm-hmm. mind, in my mind, I thought I was going pro like every other black kid. I'm going pro. I'm going to be the number one pick. Stuff yeah. like that. You don't think about how I'm going to really make a living. But I feel like God put me in this position for a reason. And I'm now I'm glad, 15 years later, I'm glad he put me in this position. This position, I've accomplished more as a cop than I did playing basketball. Mm-hmm. It opened more, it's opened doors that I would never be able to walk through without yeah. it. And when you tell people that you are, I don't care where you are in the country, when you tell them that I'm a detective, people people love cops. People, Some people, some people love <laughs> cop stories. You know what I'm saying? They love cop stories. People just don't want to be on the other side. Like people, a lot of, some people don't want to be held responsible for their actions. And as yeah. a cop, I'm forced to hold some people accountable, accountable. for their actions. Yeah. So would you say a, 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 a cop Detective, like this, the law enforcement, criminal justice path is a good path for African Americans. Yes, why not? Why not? I feel like it is. Uh, for me, I moved down here with a couple of thousand dollars in my pocket, mm-hmm. and let's see what it did. I was able to get paid, learn how to speak, learn how to deal with people. One of the best things about my job is learning how to deal with people. Yeah. And as a cop, you see some people at their worst moments, moments. that they will ever have in their life. And the song used to be emotional roller coasters. Some days yeah. are emotional roller coasters. Now nobody tell you how to react when you see somebody dying at your fingertips. Yeah. And it's nothing you know that they about to die. There's nothing you can do about it. And then from the next car, you go into a cat in the tree or a car accident. Or you going to somebody saying, you know, I can't stand y'all ass, but thank you. That's the yeah. that's a cop's every day. And as a cop, you learn to cope and deal with that. You learn to ignore a lot of it because at the end of the day, some people feel the way they feel because of their own experiences. 
But then some people never had any interaction with police and they going off what they've seen yeah. through social... Now with social media, social media not only is... It's, it's only showing what's in some instances been going on. You're just able to see it in some aspects. But as a cop, when you're doing positive things, y'all don't see that. Right. Because that's not being pushed out. Right, right. And I definitely want to talk about some of the positive, a lot of the positive things that, that you're doing in the community. One, um, but before we get into that, I got a, a few questions I want to get your perspective on. Um, with all the media and everything that's been going on, it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty heavy um, as it relates to like police and officer-involved shootings and African Americans and, and people dying. Right? When like, what emotions do you go through as a black man when you, a black man and an officer? When you wake up in the morning and you turn the news on and you see, okay, here we got another brother first, or sister. At first, like anybody, outrage. But in working investigations, I know, let's hear, let's hear all the facts first. And the reason I say that is I've worked enough cases to know I release enough information to the media to get the story out, but I'm not giving you all the key details. And I'm knowing this, so I know when I see a 10-second clip of an incident, it can be more to that story. For example, I use this scenario all the time. If I spat in your face right now, your response is going to be what? You're going to beat my ass, right? If somebody start recording, when you start beating my ass, who's the at fault? It it looked like the person who who (laughs) whooping that ass, right? Yeah. So in some instances with... Those law enforcement videos, not all, because I'm will never candy coat. There are asshole cops. There are some cops that don't need to be cops. Period. Mm-hmm. Let's just be. I, I can will be honest and say that. But there are a lot more good cops. There are a lot of cops that's just doing their job. This their job. They want to go home. They want to go do their job and they go home. That don't make them a bad cop. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, the bad ones get all the publicity. Yeah. That's the ones y'all see, and that's the reason why I've embarked on some of the things I've embarked, because after countless, my page is like ground zero for, Ty, what you feel about this? Because, one, some of my hood friends, they know me. We grew up together. We still cool. And then some of my white friends that I went to college with, school with, and then some of my just in-the-middle friends Everybody come to my page want feedback. And it's like, whoa, pump your brakes. Let's let's hear some more details before we jump to conclusions. Two, if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I... Why y'all, even though y'all Monday morning quarterback and whatever you just saw, I still got to go to work tomorrow and deal with the same stuff, whether I like it or not. But at the same time, I feel like if more officers made ourselves available because people want to hear our perspective on it. Yeah. How you feel about it, Dennis? What's your take on it? And it's like, dang, why I got to speak on everything? That's yeah. how I feel sometimes, but at the same time, I feel comfortable in speaking on it because I can give you a logical ex- explanation. But 
why you don't speak out on everything that go on in your neighborhood or go, you know what I'm saying? Whatever your profession is, why you ain't got to speak on it? And sometimes you feel like that. But for me, I don't mind speaking on it because I I deal with it every day and I feel like I can give you a sound answer yeah. that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So sticking on that same topic of police brutality, right? Mm-hmm. As a black man, if you take your officer hat off, right. you just... I, you know I take my officer hat off when I go home, right? Right. So right. when I get of in course. the car and I yeah. take that off, I'm yeah. black, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Out the gate, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So... Which, which, so we think about them in hashtags, right? Like, like right. people and which and, incident? Yeah, which one of them as a black man has been like the most impactful, like to you as a black man? I'm asking the same mm-hmm. question. Tamir as an officer. more than anything because it's a child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And as uh, what the one in Minnesota, like uh, things like that. That as an officer, you can't be that scary. In some instances, like. Being a cop is a hard job. You don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know if you a felon. I don't know what you think. I got a split-second decision to make. But you can't be that scary where you just ready to shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. weigh it out for a second. Now, if you that gun ho in some instances, you're going to make mistakes. That's why if you ever do a shoot-don't-shoot shoot simulator, sometimes it's not always what it seems. You know what I'm saying? When you first glance at something and you see it, it appears to what it is, and you like, oh, that's what it is. And that's not what it is. And in some of these instances, when you see Tamir Rice, a kid playing with the gun, things like that, they responded too quickly. And yeah. with the other one, he responded too quickly. If he's sitting down in the car trying to, you shouldn't be, like, you already got the drop on him. Like, why are you so ready to shoot? Period. Yeah. I ain't never shot nobody. I ain't never had to, but I work where I work. I work Old Fourth Ward Boulevard. There's been many times that it was close because some of the things that you're dealing with, some people don't listen. Some people don't have no respect for you. They don't value their they life or your life. And sometimes all you thinking about is, oh, snap, he finna try to do me. And yeah. you trying to respond, stay on top of it before they, you feel like somebody finna get you. And that's the reality of it. I don't think, I tell him, some of my counterparts, I don't think no cop, whether you are racist, white supremacist, whatever you may, people may think, I don't think no cop woke up and said, I'm going to kill me a nigga today. And why I say that? It's too much scrutiny that comes with it. I'm going to be on the desk. I can't make no money. I can't work no side jobs. I can't do nothing. And I'm going to do that just for what? Just to take a life? Nah, I'm not buying that. Now. Do you have biases? We all got biases. However you was raised, wherever you was raised, you got biases. Yeah. Black people, we definitely got biases. Some black people, I tell use this scenario, right? As a black man, sometimes when you see a white guy, you instantly think, oh, I'll beat his ass. <laughs> some think that, right? As a cop. So if you work in the hood, you're a white boy. Some may think I can beat his ass. You don't know nothing about this white guy. He may MMA, he may be a former Marine. Whatever. So is it police brutality that you tried this man and then he beat your ass and you lost and now you saying police brutality or you just lost? You see what I'm saying? I can see that perspective, absolutely. So do police officers want us to fear them? Some. I feel like some may. Some police are exactly what people say they are. 
Yeah. Got bullied, was lame. I'm going to be a cop. Now I got power. Power is a dangerous tool because if used in the wrong way, it can be what we see. But for some cops, majority of us, you just doing your job. And it's not necessarily a fear thing. As a cop, it's almost like I'm a parent. I have to be a parent to adults. Nobody wants to be held accountable for any, just like your, ch your children don't want to be held accountable for spilling the milk. People don't want to be held accountable for speeding. Oh, you ain't got nothing better to do? Why are you bothering me? They out there selling dope. Why are you bothering me? Because uh, you just sped past me speeding. <laughs> I'm doing my job. Now, if I hit your car, then you would want me to stop that person, right? And that's our every day. No matter yeah. who, what it is, some people never did anything wrong. That's just like if you go to prison and you ask somebody, how many of y'all in here guilty? Man, they put this on me. Everybody yeah. ain't got no... Nah. Let's look at your criminal history. Man, you steady getting locked up, so they steady putting stuff on you, right? That's the reality of it. Yeah, for like, the same thing. Like you, you keep doing the same... Yeah. Call a spade a spade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If it's a spade, it's a spade. I ain't saying you got to yes, sir, me, no, sir, me, but... When you get to get respect, you got to give respect. How, some people really will snap up as soon as you walk up to the car. Hey, how you doing, ma'am? I'm saying, sir, what you stop me for? Da -da 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 -da. You like, whoa, baby. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just telling you, I was about to just tell you to cut your lights on. But now, let me see your license. Like, now I got to. It escalates over tone of voice. Yeah. How you talk to me. As a man, some people, if you're a two time as an officer and I got to come in your house I got to I'm 25 you 40 it's certain levels of respect that some people don't care about your badge if you all they got is the respect of their house I'm a felon I, I work a piss poor job maybe I'm barely making it I just come home have a beer and now your little young ass coming telling me what to do in my shit right who want that? Who want that? Some some people will really take a charge just to save face. So, as an officer, you got to be mindful of that. I'm in this man's castle. Listen, big dog. Go on, step outside with me. Walk you to the car so your kids ain't got to see you get in handcuffs. We can, we can scrap. We might scrap. You might get me. I might get you. But once I get on this radio and my team come, then what's going to happen? You going to get in the car anyway. So, go on, walk out of here standing straight up. And let's go on and take care of what we need to take care of. But some guys in the hood, they understand that. You didn't you you didn't got down on their level for them to understand that. No, sir, I'm a I'm in charge here. You're coming with me. Man, fuck you. Yeah. That's some guys' reality. Cause it's like all you sound like is everybody else that then tried to stand up. And for some guys, they ain't never grew up around a man. They grew up with their mom, grandmama, stuff like that. So they're not used to hearing an authority figure tell them something. Mm -hmm. So it's safe to say your, your role is a little challenging, there, especially well, when you're dealing with people. My role is different now because I work in investigations, so I'm not a first responder. Uh, I'm behind the scenes. So after the officers go take a report on whatever happened, then I'm investigating after the fact. Okay. But okay. my job is still hard because I investigate inner city crime. So you have... People, I can look at a video and see that you standing right there and saw what happened. 
but we got a no snitching policy. So I got to figure out how to maneuver around protecting your identity to keep you from being a victim because you snitched when really all I was was just standing there. You made me a witness. And now some guys are putting discovery packages on Instagram. Your statement. So for me, I try to do as best I can without you. Or what information can I use without you? How can I put this case together without you? Because in a lot of times, it's not what I know, it's what I can prove. So mm-hmm. in the police world, people think it's just like checkers. and so, Or they think it's checkers and it's really chess. Yeah. Because how you maneuver, how you deal with people, how you talk to people, the streets talk. You just got to be know how to receive it. And as some people, some detectives know how to go about their business, doing what they do. I know how to get down. I can go, I'm going to go walk the hood. I'm going to think about it. In every hood, there's a homeless dude that's the fly on the wall. Yep. There's an old lady that's been there for 60, 70 years. She know everybody. There's a baby mama that talk a lot, know everybody's business, and she run them out. There's a store clerk that is cool in the hood and everybody know. That's every neighborhood. With that dynamic, you have to be able to facilitate through all those people to get your job done. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality. Yo, listeners, we'll get back to the episode in just a moment. But since we've been chatting about Clippers, we thought it'd be real cool to talk to you about our sponsor for today's episode. Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Man, let me tell you, so it's always a time when you're trying to get real smooth, real fresh for a date, mm-hmm. and you just thought you was going to, you know, shave up a little bit, make mm-hmm. sure everything down that was right. Them T-liners fucked you up. Man, what? That ain't, that ain't, that ain't, <laughs> <laughs> right, that ain't what you want. And shit. Right, that ain't what you want. Yeah, that little toilet paper stuffed on you. Right. Try to try to make Stop sure you ain't bleeding. Yes. <laughs> Tell you about this amazing product. Um, <laughs> Manscaped. Hey, it, it is dope. I can't lie. I tried it the other night and it was really like like that moment where like the heavens open. <laughs> but it, it, it was something about not not getting that that nick from the liners that we used. There was no blood. And feeling safe. Man, who you telling? Mm-hmm. And it was quiet. But but here's the thing, and, and, and fellas, it doesn't matter if your lower region looks like an urban forestry project, Kevin Durant's head, or one of them old dudes from the Whispers. I'm telling you, the lawnmower 3.0 will have you smoothed out. Bruh, man, I was digging that whole quiet stroke technology because it actually is crazy quiet, quiet man. The thing I liked the most about the lawnmower 3.0 was the cutting edge ceramic blade. It's the same thing I was mentioning earlier. It, it kept me from getting nicked. It's like you could yeah. put it, you could take the blade off straight on and put it right on your little man down there and you was good, like nothing. Yep. Got me cleaned up real good. Because ain't nothing worse getting yourself cleaned up for that night with your lady <laughs> and she find a band-aid on your man. <laughs> What's that look like? It's a whole Band-Aid down there. Right. Like, what what the hell you been doing? (laughs) All right, so, fellas, the nugget here is this. Go get trimmed up. And while you at it, why not get yourself 20% off and free shipping? And free shipping. Man, by using the code WILDBLACK. W-H-I-L-E-B-L-A-C-K at manscaped.com. Manscaped is spelled M-A-N-S-C-A-P. 
WILDBLACKFAMILY.com. That's Check right. Check it out. Wild Black Family, it's important to use the code Wild Black. All right, people. Back to Clippers and Cops. Let's get it. So you you mentioned um, being real candid, being real honest, and there's some asshole cops. It's some, it's some, uh, it's some bad cops, right? It, yes, I would say that. Considering everybody already got anxiety as soon as is is an officer roll up, generally if they ain't call them, right? right. Or, or even sometimes even if they have called them. Right. How would you tell someone to respond knowing that they don't know if they're getting a good cop or an asshole cop? And that's cop? what one, one of our sessions, somebody said that we don't know what we get neither. And I get that. And it's just like with anything. It takes two to argue. It takes when I ain't saying kiss the officer's ass, but shut up. Let him, whatever, if he's going to, if an officer is about to arrest you, it's just like when a referee makes a call in a game. Usually the call ain't getting reversed. It's going to happen. So why make it worse or why book and make it something worse? When I say there's asshole officers, there's officers that just like in any profession, I can go to, I don't care if you work the line at McDonald's. Some people have better customer service skills than others. Yep. Some people know how to talk to people differently. Some people just maneuver different. That's what it is. Another thing is speaking about bad cops. A lot of people say, why y'all don't tell on the bad ones? Because a lot of times we don't know. A lot of times when you see them pop up on the news screen, that's the first time I saw it myself. Because guess what? This the same man that was in the academy meet, the academy with me, blood, sweat, and tears. I look at him as a, like this is my brother. Like I would never think that he would do some of the things that he's done. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da pa pa pa. And then when he did, when you see it on the news, you just as shocked. Like, dang, I thought I knew this mug. That ain't who I thought it was. He ain't nothing like that to me. You know what I'm saying? But I flipped the same token to some people. People know in any neighborhood, everybody knows what's going on. And nobody says anything until something hit close to home. Then we feel like, Oh, now nah, he got to go. Now nah, he just went a little too far. And it's like, yeah. dang, you actually know this person doing whatever he's doing, and we're going to leave him alone. But you expect me. I'm a, I'm a human just like you. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, and I still get held responsible. Yeah. Like, so you got me thinking of a whole different range ahead. of questions, man. Do you, think, do you think the African-American community utilizes the police like they should? No. What do you think? The, because the distrust has been lost for so long that with every officer involved shooting, we with every good program or whatever good event we have, with every officer involved shooting, we take three and four steps back mm -hmm. because it totally creates more distrust, distrust. Yeah. Because then you, for the rest of us who have to still go to work, we're having to defend Shoot, shitty shot, shitty shot. Why he do that? Am I next? 
You know what I'm saying? We had a kid come into our event and said, I don't like the police. Yeah. You ate. <laughs> what you know about the police? They keep killing us. Yeah. Yeah. That hurt. You know what I'm saying? And that's a real feeling, that's too. That's a real feeling because yeah. some really feel like that. And it's unfortunate because they're not getting the full scope. There are officer-involved shootings. There are. But I guarantee we have more citizen shootings than anything. They're all bad. <laughs> it's yeah. not one. A cop doing it doesn't yeah. trump the other one. That's my whole thing. Yeah. Then You're saying people, a killing is a killing. A like, killing it, is a killing. Yeah. But then people will say, well, they're going to get prosecuted. You know how many unsolved murders are out there? You know how many unsolved shootings out there? It's a lot. Yeah. So it's almost like, how can we check one and not check the other? Yeah. I don't get that. A couple questions, two parts. What would you advise the African-American community to do to be better around utilizing the police? Get to know your police, first off. How you do that? The same way when you first moved to the neighborhood, you got to know your neighbor, the dude <laughs> at the liquor store. <laughs> Let me get a pack of Newports. What's up, Jimmy? <laughs> it's the same thing. When you see a new cop, stop him. Hey, what's going on, officer? You new to the beat? That's what they do in Buckhead. In Buckhead, when you see a cop, the our white counterparts will bring their kids and say, Hey, little Johnny, meet the policeman. Shake his hand. Take a picture with him. In the black community, I work Atlanta Fair every year, 15 years. People, kids will get lost at the fair. We'll find them. That's, you better start acting right before I get that policeman to get you. That creates the boogeyman syndrome. Flights. Because as you get older, first thing you think, oh, shit, that's still that same boogeyman when I was a kid. I'm going to run. I ain't did nothing. I just got a little gram of weed. I'm going to run. When you running, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know you. When I stop you, I don't know you. So when I pull you over and the door open and you take it off, I don't know what you think. I don't know what you just did. Mm -hmm. You ain't gave me a chance to investigate. Right. You ain't gave me a chance to talk to you. As we running, my blood, my heart pounded. I'm scared too. But... The competitor in me is like, oh, no, I'm not going to let you get away. And then when I find you, then it's like, what you running for? Oh, man, I had this little sack of weed. Dang, is that worth all this? You know what I'm saying? No. So I say get to know your cops. Be a part, police our own community. We have to start stepping up in our own, one block at a time. Mm -hmm. I ain't saying take over the whole, your block. Get to know the people on your block. Some seem out of line. Hey, Jimmy, you see that car sitting down the street? That's you? No, nah, that ain't me. Hey, man, let's go talk to him. Meet me outside. Hey, brother, you live over here? Oh, no, nah, I was just... One time a lady in my subdivision, she came through. She was driving slow, stopping in front of people's house. Hey, man, run this tag for me right quick. I walked outside. I said, hey, how you doing, Jillian? She said, how do you know my name? I said, well, you cruising through our neighborhood. I don't know you. Who are you? What are you doing? Right? She said, forgive me. I'm a realtor. I'm pricing the values of the homes. 
I'm, trying, I'm about to sell a house down the street. She said, but it's good to know that we do have somebody like that. You want to know where they do that at? In our suburban communities. That's why some of them feel like when they see some blacks, you don't belong because they feel like they know everybody. Is it right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily all the time, but you kind of know when something seems out of place. So if we start policing ourselves, those same cops that you hate ain't got to come. If I pull up and you already handled it, hey, Dennis, we good. You know the cop anyway. Hey, Dennis, we good, bro. We got it taken care of. Some of the disputes, you know Johnny and Keisha fight. Right? Mm -hmm. They, what we say, fight, fuss, get back together. <laughs> y'all right. do that. Hey, man, why don't y'all chill out? So we ain't got to call 911. Right. Because once you call 911 and that scratch that you got on your face, Somebody going to jail. Handle it yourself. Yeah. Keep the police out, out of it. it. If you don't call the police, they ain't got to come. <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the positive things that you're doing in the community, though. I think that's that's kind of a... We talked about some of the things that's happening in society, some things that we as, as African-Americans could consider to, to, you know, to be better and better utilize the police. Let's talk about some of the things that are more positive that you are working on and that you're doing in the community. I, I think that's a... I've been yeah. mentoring for 15 years, the entire time I've been a police officer. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about that because that's something positive. That's yeah. not the narrative that's being sold to you guys. But as of yep. late, back in March of 2018, I created a program called Clippers and Cops. Yep. Clippers and Cops basically came to mind because of some of the things we just was talking about. When things, officer-involved shooting, different things happen, everybody come to my page. Ty, what's your opinion? I know you're a real N-word. I know <laughs> you're going to keep it real. All right. What's up? And so I, I I basically reached out. I thought about it. I said, hmm, I know more cool cops. Why don't I get some of my own homies that's cops? We come together, get some of street dudes I know, put them in the same room, and then let's find a dope barbershop. So I reached out to my boy Stoney on Edgewood. Barbershop is a black <laughs> man's country club. Yep. Right? Absolutely. We talk about everything in the barbershop. Yep. Every, so every. we can talk about sports, fights, women, and all this other stuff. Why we can't talk about citizen and police engagement? How can we fix the narrative, change the narrative? Because some of the stuff ain't true. <laughs> some of the stuff ain't always what it seems. Yeah, tell us some of the stuff that ain't true. Like I said before, no cop woke up saying I want to kill somebody. That's not true. I don't believe that. No cop. Black, white, whatever. No cop. It's too much comes with that. If I shoot somebody tomorrow, I'm on the desk. I work yeah. extra jobs. That's how we make our living, working side jobs, right? I can't work. I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm in timeout. Hmm. Now... I'm going to be on every news station. Let, let it be one of my white counterparts. They're going to be on every news station in America. Who wants that? Your family can't even walk out the house because everybody out there with cameras and stuff. Who would want that? Why would I want that? Just to smoke somebody? Come on, dog. <laughs> no. So I don't feel like that's true. Does it happen? Of course it happens. You know what I'm saying? But I guarantee mm -hmm. 
the if you look at the stats on shootings and violence, it's a small percentage compared to what it is. Is it even that small percentage is still too much? Yeah. Because we were in a perfect world, we don't want it to happen at all. At all. Yep. I shouldn't have to be in fear of my life every time I get pulled up. Yeah. But through Clippers and Cops, we've been able to engage in some of these same dialogue that you and I have. Talk about some of these things. Do's and don'ts on traffic stops. What should I do if I get pulled over and I'm on a dark road and I don't feel safe with the cop pulling me over right there? These type of things. We basically open it up to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We made ourselves available in our own spare time. My department didn't put me up to it. I ain't no puppet. Ain't nobody say, hey, Tyrone, go talk to the colored folks and make them feel good about police. None of that. That's not what it is. We decided to do this on our own in an effort to make change. Because when you think about it, whether I'm kneeling, not kneeling, Kaepernick, no Kaepernick, whatever your, your views are on the subject, what are we doing to fix it? We can talk about what happened yesterday. We can keep talking about it. We can be mad, fuck the police, all this, whatever. But what are we doing to fix it? Yeah. And I ain't saying Clippers and Cops is the, the end all. Like, if you come to Clippers and Cops, we're going to end police. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is just one little simple thing that we thought to do to try to show not only our department, but other pe departments, other cities, how we trying to do it. And what we've gotten is nothing but positive feedback. Yeah. We've gotten other cities copying it. We've gotten calls all the way from Ottawa, Canada. Come teach us diversity. Really? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> but yeah. and when I started it, like I tell anybody, I didn't start this for fortune or fame. Yeah. I started this because I feel like this is my lane. This is a lane that I can use my platform yep. to help somebody. Because then I could tell somebody, hey, bro, it's simple. When you get pulled over, let your window down, cut the car, put your arm out the window, your hands out the window. Why you say that, Ty? A gun can't shoot if I can see your hands. A gun can't fire by itself. So that instantly should take some of the fear of that officer as he's walking to the car. The world through a police car looks totally different. Yeah. Because when I shine that bright light in your, your car and you doing... <clears throat> yeah. All I'm thinking is, oh, snap. Do right. we got a gun? What do you want it for? Is he wanted? I don't know. I don't know you the valid Victoria. I don't know you the president. I don't know you the... You got this a nice radio show. I don't know nothing yeah. about you. All I know is I stopped you because your tag expired. Because your wife forgot to send the check. And now I stopped you. What you stopped me for? Uh, bro, your tag been expired for two months. What? Nah, bro, you wrong. Go check your computer again. <laughs> Sir, I'm, I'm showing you. Yeah. Then you call your wife and she say, you gonna be so mad at me, I forgot to send the check in for the tag. <laughs> what I really like about that, man, is you paint the picture from what people don't see. And even when you paint that picture, the, the context changes because it's now it's like, oh, man, okay, I could, I could actually see how it could be a hell of a lot of nervousness 
not not just for the person me being in the car, but for the person who come in to actually tell me that my tail light is out. Right. Or, hey, man, I was just trying to let you know that you your tag expired. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, we generally don't look at, we don't flip the narrative to kind of look at it from the officer's perspective. It's hard yeah. as an adult to look in the mirror and take responsibility for whatever it is you do. It's mm -hmm. hard for me to look in the mirror and say, I snore. My <laughs> wife tell me I snore. Yeah. And I say, no, I don't, because I don't hear it. <laughs> right. It ain't me. You know what I'm saying? That's you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But it's hard to make, to look in the mirror and take self-responsibility. I tell my daughter every morning, self-responsibility. What that means, you have to take responsibility for oneself. Nobody can make you do anything. Mm -hmm. You have to make a decision to do it. Yeah. And when it comes to policing, you have to make a decision on what type of cop you want to be. You have to make a decision on how I want to be. Like, we uh, speak on aggressive officers, all right? When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. An aggressive officer is going to be the officer that if there's some guys on the corner selling dope, He's going to address that. He's going to be the one out the car, up in pockets. What's up? Y'all ain't finna. He's making it uncomfortable for them on that corner. And when they, they basically will learn when he works, and you'll see a whole different demographic. Like, you'll see them moving because they don't want it. But that same aggressive officer is going to have a lot of complaints mm -hmm. because he's against the norm, right? I ask people, what type of officer do you want to work your neighborhood? I don't want no aggressive, none of that. Oh, so you cool with them selling dope on the car? You want the officer that just drive past, put the earbuds in, and doo, 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 go from call to call? I don't see nothing. It's a thin line between the two because both of them doing their job. But one, he ain't with that. He ain't with just sitting back, letting you do what you he want to do. He getting involved. He involved. Yeah. The other officer... He ain't going to have zero complaints. He going to come to work. He gone at three. <laughs> he turned in his reports, and he gone about his business. He a good cop, too, because he do what he's supposed to do. But does that make him any, like, you know what I'm saying? When you look at the officer's jackets, when you look at the officer that was aggressive, he going to have complaints. And then, if, God forbid, he get involved in something, and they tack his whole resume up on the screen, yeah, he terrible. But then you wonder why some of our neighborhoods out of control because now it makes some of the officers pull back and say, why get involved with all that? Why do all that? Right, I don't have to. I ain't got to. I can just answer these calls and go about my business. Yeah. What's, what's your approach to policing? So Me? you kind of painted two. Me? Yeah. My approach was knowledge is power. I, when I worked, I wanted to know everybody's name on the block. I wanted to know everybody's baby mama. I want to know everybody's car. I want to know where everybody stash dope. I want to know everything. Why? Because whenever I decide to crack that whip, it's cracked. 
And when somebody see that, they'll go away without you saying a word. I ain't going to call you by your nickname. I'm going to call you by your government name. I know you. We know each other. You know what I stand for. I know what you stand for. And it, it was a mutual respect thing. And like I told him on Boulevard, everybody out there got, had dope. So it was like, listen, bro, it's only two of us over here, two officers, and we got to patrol all the way, all this. When I go to this corner, and when I go to this corner, I need you to go all the way to that corner. And then when I go back to that corner, you go all the way over there. And when I go over there, you go over there. And that's how we going to work this all day. Because if my supervisor come through and see y'all congregating on this corner, that make me look like I'm not doing my job. And if you want me to do my job, I'm not already set up with binoculars. I know where everybody shit is. But if I lock this one person up for some dope, is, am I really making a difference? It's 30 other people out there. Yeah. And over the course of time, I started noticing knowledge. Knowledge. And that led to my investigative. I started a beat book where I knew everybody, tattoos, all this different stuff. So when different people be wanted, a detective come through. I'm looking for such and such. Look, they call him little rookie or something. Oh, that's such and such. Boom, 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 boom. His baby mama such and such. He be over here. You can find him over there. And that pretty much led to my development. I didn't know I was already being a gang detective then. I didn't know I was already being a detective. Because then... When a case came up, I gave another detective some information. He told me I watched too much TV. And I was like, okay. I was offended, but, you know, I'm like, all right, whatever. A week later, he called me back and he said, first off, I want to apologize because you was dead on. But second, I put your name in to go to this other unit because you don't need to be on patrol. You have something totally different that you wasting away on patrol. And that's how my... The detective career kind of got started because once they did away with Red Dog and went to Apex for six weeks, that's the new green team they call them, went there for six weeks, and then I made detective. And I worked Zone 6, which is East Atlanta, and I learned how to be a detective. And then that led to me coming to gangs. I wanted to go to Homicide, but they sent me to gangs. Somebody better than me knew I was fluent in gangs, and I didn't even know it. And when I came to gangs, I was upset. But then over time, it was a blessing in disguise. Because me and my partner, me and her were like peanut butter and jelly. She could read my mind, I could read her mind, and we basically work cases. We take other cases, and, like, if somebody can't solve a case, we'll go solve it. Yeah. And then we were investigators of the year, 2015, and so forth and so on. And even now, I still work cases. I do a lot of community. I'm at schools every day. Yeah. Mentoring. But people, so tell us, tell us about your mentoring. The mentoring with Clippers and Cops. Yeah. The demographic. Oh, so so that's your outreach too. So when you go into schools, is that a part of Clippers yes. and Cops? Or is well, that- sort of, kind of. Because I, I did a program through the U.S. Attorney's Office called Real Talk with the Law. And that was an opportunity where myself, other people in law enforcement, as well as former convicts, including now one of my guys go with me now, his name is David Hamilton. He's a a straight crip from Compton on federal parole. And we go, we give you two sides of the coin. I'm going to give you the cop side. He's going to give you his side. You make your own choice. This is your free pass. With Clippers and Cops, the demographic that we truly want to come, 15 to 25, ain't really coming. Few of them come. But usually, it's older. Yeah. So, 
we said, how can we reach them? We need to go to them. So we reached out to uh, Tom Dunn. He teaches a law class at South Atlanta High School. And he invited us in to his class. And we basically had clippers and cops in the classroom. Oh, okay. And some okay. of the feedback we got from those kids let me know that that's the move. Some of the kids yeah. basically were like, if we had more cops like them, we wouldn't have half the problems that we got. Yep. And it ain't even that it's cops like us. It's they got to talk to us and get to know us. They gained access to the cop world. Yeah. I might think about being a cop. Right. And so the second time we went back, before I left, I tell everybody, self-responsibility and goals. Write your goals down. None of the kids wrote their goals down. So I said, what y'all want to be when y'all grow up? Everybody said the typical stuff. I'm rap. Got a mixtape. I'm going to the NBA. This one kid, 15 years old, said, I want to be a photographer. He said, my goal is to be Travis Scott's photographer. Everybody laughed at him. <laughs> I said, I applaud you for thinking outside the box. I said, what you doing tonight? I said, we got Clippers and Cops, our event. I want you to come shoot. Kid, he called me at 530 to vent at 6, like, hey, I want to come, but I need a ride. Yeah. I jumped off the highway, got him. Made me late, but I had to because he trying. Yeah. He was in there with the other people taking pictures like a pro. And that's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? We have to change the narrative. We have to change the relationships because if we don't, we're going to keep getting, it's like, we gonna keep getting the same things that we get. It's like we bamming our head against it, thinking we're gonna get a different result. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you get to know the cops in your neighborhood, you'll find out that they might like the same music as you. They might come from a similar background as you. Whatever. Then, once you get to know one cop, you kind of get to know other cop because then you feel comfortable in talking to other cop. Right. And yeah. then, before you know it, you got a cop that's in your crew. When y'all having barbecues at the house, your cop friend coming over. You know what I'm saying? And before you know it, you start looking at some things different. I'm not saying it's going to totally... You're going to learn that we're human just like... Like, I don't sleep standing straight up. I put my pants on just like you. I bleed when I get cut. Same thing. But I got a family, too. I got people that care about me, too. You know what I'm saying? That's my wife calling me now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And once... People get to know and get the understanding that, that we're human. It changes everything because then it becomes man to man. Yeah. Woman to woman. Person to person. Per person yeah. to person. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. That's what's up, man. I, I, I definitely want to applaud you because, I mean, it, it's really important that the thing that you said really around, we got to do something or we got to do something different. So the, the outreach, the programs, the mentorship, I mean, that, I think is one of the things that is tremendously going to help us understand that it is a person to person thing. Like, like we can change the narrative, but you of course going to need some help changing it too. Like, and, and we all want to change it. We, we want to make it better. We can't, you can, it's like this, man. You can sit back Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Complain about this. You can complain about that. Or you can step up and say, I did something. Yep. I'm trying for, to fix it. For me, a lady talked, this lady, she called me one day after Clippers and Cops. I had given her my car. And she said, young brother, you would never truly know the impact that you're having on our community. 
She said, you're not going to receive that now. She said, it's going to be years from now when some of these kids come back and say, man, I met these cops at this little barbershop a couple of years ago, and that changed my outlook on police. Yeah. That may save somebody's life because you may normally react a certain way. But the fact that we told you, hey, bro, try to do this, try to do that, that may change it. That may keep you from blowing up on the cop when he being a butthole. Or you feel like you ain't did nothing wrong and this cop bothering you. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's how things change. You know what I'm saying? I don't, do you think Martin Luther King really thought while he was doing what he was doing, he was going to be the iconic figure that he is? I don't know. Of course not. Of course not. And he wasn't doing it for that. He wasn't doing it for that. It's just yeah. like with Kaepernick. Kaepernick, <laughs> in, a, in 20 years from now, it's going to be a street named after Kaepernick in every metropolitan city, in my opinion. And people are going to say, oh, I, was, I used to love Kaepernick. People that hate on him now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But the reality of it is to make change, no matter what it is, you have to make people uncomfortable. And Kaepernick's making people uncomfortable, whether you agree, disagree, whatever. Even, mm -hmm. as, a, even as a cop, I'm with him. <laughs> yeah. Because at the same time, he's he basically sacrificed his career I don't know if that's truly why he did it or whatever he did it or why he continued to do it. I don't know. I ain't, I don't know him. But to do what he's doing is saying something. Like, this dude sacrificed his whole something he loved to do for a movement. Mm -hmm. But I had a debate before with somebody, and I asked, I said, what protest has ever been acceptable that anybody has ever done? When you go against mainstream... It don't operate like that. It don't operate like that. Yeah. You, when you go against the majority, you are a problem. And it's just like with Martin Luther King. People act like during the Civil Rights Movement that he was accepted. Or when people were sitting in at counters tops. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was accepted. It was never accepted. Right. Now... Now it look it looked like oh man they 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 was awesome for doing that Correct. they went through a lot and it's the same thing with what we're doing um, we had at Clippers and Cops um, Griggs and those guys came through mm -hmm. they even had us on the Cop Watch TV show and yeah. things like that and like I yep. explained to them it's not a us versus y'all it's a us at the end of the day you look at it from your perspective and I have it from my perspective. My perspective might not agree with what you're saying, but at the end of the day, these are my people just like they're your people. Yeah. Whether we agree or disagree, the whole goal is for us to have open dialogue and try to make change together. Right. In positive. In a positive way. Yeah. Yep. But in some instances, it's going to be heated. It's going to be, forget you, forget you. Right. <laughs> I don't have to. We can agree to disagree. Right. Period. Right. But right. if we make change for the better, I'm with it. We ultimately, after the same goal, we wanted to get better for our people. Pretty much. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I definitely want to want a huge shout out and, and appreciation to you for coming on Wild Black. Um, one thing that we generally do, too, at the end is we turn the mic to you to say, whatever you want to leave our listeners with is your moment. Mm. In order for us to create change, we have to step up and make it ourselves. Nobody's going to make change for us. 
Nobody's going to fix our communities, our neighborhoods, but us. And we can sit back and wait for somebody else to do it, or you can step up to the plate and be doing it yourself or trying to do something. Uh, there's a lot of programs throughout the city that need support, need mentors, need big brothers, positive men. Uh, my buddy does a, a Black Men's Lab every Monday, positive program. Uh, there's a bunch of programs with Clippers and Cops. We operate every, we try to go every third Thursday of the month. And at first we used to have to pick a barbershop or try to find a barbershop. Now we have too many because yeah. as the word's getting out, more people want us, which let me know there's other people that want positive change. They want to be able to talk to the officers and get to know the officers. And I think we help create that because then some of the officers start going to the barbershop to get their haircuts okay. mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then they become a part of the fabric. So it's, I feel like it's time for us to step up and make our own change and make our own change the narratives for the, for the better for our people, ourselves, not waiting for us. Nobody's swooping down to save us or save the community or whatever. Um, the sad part about it is some get it, some don't. And when you have to work black-on-black -black crime, it's heartbreaking because some people feel like there's no end. There will never be no end. And the only way there's going to be an end is we start to value each other. Uh, this is the selfie age where it's all about self. Back in the day, we used to be about community, and we need to go back to that. We need to go back to worrying about your neighbor, what, how my actions may affect somebody else and things of that nature. And I think if we can do that, we can make our world better than it's been because right now, it's almost yeah. like we're going into this deep, dark, sunken place, and we might get too deep where we don't know how to get out. And I think that the time is right. The time is now to try to just do something different, do something positive. Hey, Wild Black, we appreciate y'all, uh, and we out. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.